So I begin, as I, as I begin this morning, I want to do so with a little bit of call and response. And uh, I think many of you know the response to this, and if you don't, you're going to learn something new today. So uh, when, when I say this, I want you to respond how you think is appropriate. God is good. And all the time? Yeah, okay. This side, got it. This side, not so much. It's 11 o'clock. I know y'all are awake. Come on now. God is good. And all the time? God is good. You know, one of the things uh, that Pastor Mark, I know, has said over the years and that I have said in, in previous messages is that a core belief of, of our faith is that God is good. And that means that uh, not only are we talking about the fact that God does good things, but more importantly and more significantly that uh, God is actually good, that goodness is a part of his character. Uh, it is a part of who God is and what he does. And so uh, not only does that mean that everything that God does is good, but it also means that the goodness of God transcends all the things in this world that may divide us and separate us. That uh, the goodness of God is something that all believers, all followers of Jesus can come together and say together and agree on in the context of who God is and what he does for us. And yet even though we say that and we know that with our heads, I think sometimes we really struggle to believe it in our hearts. And part of the reason is because there is this tension that exists for us. And the tension is found in the fact that uh, sometimes it's really easy for us to see the goodness of God in our lives. And other times, eh, we only see the goodness of God in the lives of other people, and so we're not really sure where it is for us. For example, uh, last night, uh, my wife Lauren and I were down in D.C. at the Capital One Arena for the Jonas Brothers concert. And uh, we parked in the garage that is attached to the arena, and I had read online that it could take anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes to get out of there after an event, and sometimes even longer. And so after the concert ended, Lauren and I hustled on down to the car, and we got in, and we started moving. We got in kind of our, our place in line, so to speak, to exit. And after 10 minutes, we hadn't moved at all. And after 20 minutes, we hadn't moved at all. And uh, I said to Lauren, hey, can you go and see, like, you know, is there a car stuck? What's going on? No, no one's really moving. And so she goes out and she sees that our lane is merging with another lane, and then there's a loop and up and down and all around. And so uh, I noticed to my left that uh, there is another lane, and the cars are moving slowly. And I know this because after 20 minutes, I've seen four different cars go by. And uh, I also noticed that there are two parking spots that I could drive right through to get into that other lane. And so Lauren and I are talking about it, and we're like, no, we shouldn't do that. We'll wait. It'll, it'll move. Well, after 30 minutes of not moving, we made that left turn through those parking spots. And so uh, as we're pulling through the spots, we're getting into this new lane, and the car that's uh, kind of creating space for us waves us in. And I was like, oh, man, God is good. Uh, and so, of course, now Lauren and I are feeling a little bad because we're like, well, we kind of skipped the line, cut some cars off, and, and there was a car next to us that's trying to back out into this lane. So Lauren gets out of the car and kind of directs traffic so that this car can get out. We feel good about it. She gets back into the car. We basically gave up our spot for this car thinking, you know, someone else will let us in. Well, the next car doesn't let us in. And all of a sudden, I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to, you know, wiggle our way into this? And I'm like, come on, God. You know, I got to get home. I'm tired. I want to sleep. I got to preach in the morning. Like, what's going on here? And in that moment, it struck me that the supposed goodness of God was only good if it was for me. And my guess is you may have felt this way before a time or two in your life. 
And as I said, it creates this tension in our lives. We find ourselves asking, what does it really look like to experience the goodness of God? How can we experience the goodness of God? And, and how do we see that not only in our lives, but in the lives of other people? And in our story from Matthew's gospel this morning, we get to see the goodness of God in an act of grace. And it's actually shown to us in two very different and yet uniquely beautiful perspectives. And so uh, as we begin, we're going to be starting off right at the top of uh, chapter 20, verse 1. And Jesus is teaching one of his more uh, famous parables. It's called the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And he begins the parable with a very common phrase that Jesus teaches with. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like... Now, uh, this is something that you will hear Jesus say, especially in the Gospel of Matthew. He, he often talks this way about what the kingdom of heaven is like because he's inviting his disciples to consider two very uh, important things. The first is that uh, when Jesus speaks that way, he is reminding them that life in the kingdom of heaven is incredibly different and so much more than they can imagine when they think about it. And at the same time, Jesus is also inviting them to consider what life is like here on earth because he has brought the kingdom of heaven with him. This, in fact, is a theme that you can trace all the way back to the beginning of Matthew's gospel. That when it talks about Jesus coming down in his birth and his ministry here on earth, he has brought the kingdom of heaven to us. And so essentially, when Jesus says these words, he's, he's telling the disciples about what they have to look forward to in the kingdom of heaven, and at the same time, inviting them to consider how they might live in the kingdom ways here and now, even in the midst of their earthly lives. So Jesus begins saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he goes into uh, this, this parable, this story about a landowner and a vineyard. And this landowner goes into the local marketplace to find some workers for the day because that's what you would have done back then. And he gets workers early in the morning just as the sun is rising. And then a couple hours later he goes back in and he does it again. And in total he would hire five groups of workers that day. And this was obviously an interesting thing because you wouldn't imagine that he would need that many nor would he continue to hire them. But nonetheless that's what he does. Now, uh, interestingly enough, we're only told with the first group of workers what the payment is going to be. So he agrees with the first group only that they're going to get paid a denarius, which would have been a day's worth of wages. So it's all good from that perspective. And so as the story kind of continues, eventually we're told that the manager who works alongside the landowner calls everyone in to pay them because the work day is done. And that is the, the first perspective that I want to invite you into. The perspective of the workers who are getting paid first, but were hired last. So, imagine this. It's uh, early in the morning as you wake up, and the sun is just barely rising on the horizon, and so you grab your things around your house, you're getting ready for the day, you say goodbye to any family that you are with, and you head out into town into the marketplace. And when you arrive in the marketplace, you see your fellow workers, you know, people that are, are your friends, ones you've worked with before, some who might be new to town. And you're waiting because you know that as the sun starts to come up, the landowners are coming. And so that first lander comes into the marketplace and you, you brush yourself off and you stand there smiling, ready to work. And he looks around and he picks a few different people and then he moves on. And, you know, you, you shake it off. You're like, ah, okay, it's still early in the day. There will be more landowners to come. And so uh, the next landowner comes along a couple hours later. And this time he smiles at you and you smile back at him. You know, you're ready to go. But he doesn't choose you. 
Instead, he, he picks another group of workers, takes them with him, hires them, and so there you are waiting. And all of a sudden, you start to get hungry, and it's hard to imagine, but that's how much time has passed, that now it's lunchtime. And so you have your lunch sitting there in this marketplace with your other laborers who also haven't gotten hired, and you're still waiting, hoping that someone's going to come along. But you watch as landowner after landowner pass you by. No one hiring you for the day. And eventually, you can see that the heat is passing and it's getting cooler because the sun is going down. And you can still see it, but it's just starting to set slowly but surely. And you start to hang your head down because now you wonder, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't have any money. I didn't get paid for any work because I didn't do any work today. No one hired me. How am I going to buy food? How am I going to provide? What do I do? What do I, I just go home with nothing? And then you hear a landowner coming in but this time you hang your head low because you know the day is almost over. Who's going to hire someone with just a little bit of time left? And then the landowner speaks and he says to you, why have you been standing here idle all day? And you lift your head up and you say to him, well, no one has hired me. No one has hired us. And he looks at you and he says, well, okay, go into my vineyard, go and work. And you're ecstatic. Uh, you, you grab your things without hesitation because for the first time all day, you've been hired. And immediately you think to yourself, wow, I'm going to get paid for one, one hour's worth of work. And that's going to be enough. That, that something is still better than nothing. This is great. And so you go into that vineyard and you work hard for that one hour. And then the manager calls everyone in. And you can see that there's a difference between you and the workers who have been there all day. And so, you know, you're, you're just happy to be there. You're thankful for the opportunity to get one hour's worth of payment. Because the manager then calls everyone for it. He says, those of you who were hired last, come receive your wage. And the manager looks at the landowner. The landowner nods and the manager goes into his purse. And you're standing there with your hand out. And into your hand, the manager places a denarius. And you're speechless. You can't even believe what has happened because you just received a full day's worth of payment for one hour's worth of work. You look at the landowner and you look at the manager and all you can do is smile and, and, and thank them. You're full of gratefulness in your heart. That you were the last one chosen. You were part of the last group that everyone else had looked past. And yet in this moment, you were given a full day's wage. Your value was not a result of anything that you did. It was simply given to you by the owner of the vineyard out of the goodness and generosity of his heart. As if to say that goodness and generosity are simply a part of who he is and what he does. And today... You have experienced that in your payment. Now, I want to invite you into a different perspective. So uh, take off one worker's shoes and put a new set on. But let's go back to the top of the morning. So you wake up, the sun is just starting to rise, and there you are, ready to face the day, grab your work thing, say goodbye to everyone, you head into the marketplace... You see your buddies again. You work some, work some jobs with some yesterday. You see some new guys. You're greeting each other, saying hi, ready to see what's going to happen. And as the sun is just appearing, that first landowner comes into the town. And he looks around at the workers, and he, he starts picking them off one by one, pointing them out. And he stops at you. 
and he waves over, and, and you're the last one that he calls. And, and when he meets you, he says, I've got work to be done in my vineyard. I'll pay you a denarius for the work that you do. And you know that a denarius is a day's payment. It's a day's wage, so you're pretty happy. You're excited. You know that now you're going to get to work, and you're going to get paid for it, and it's going to be all good. And so that's what you do. You and that, that group of workers, you go into the vineyard, and you begin your work. Now, as you're working, things are, are kind of busy, and eventually you kind of look around, and you begin to see that there are other workers over the course of the day. That the vineyard is kind of populated with a lot of people now, more than when you had started. Nonetheless, you know, you, you get back to it. You're, you're working hard, and eventually you, you make it through the beating down of the sun on you all day long, and you pick your head up and you wipe the sweat from your brow. And in the distance, you can see this, this group of workers that look like they're running back into the vineyard. And you're kind of confused because you're like, man, how do you have much energy after working all day? But maybe they didn't. Who knows what's going on? And you realize that the day is almost done because it's cooler and the sun is soon to be setting. And then an hour goes by, you're done with your work, and the manager calls everyone in. And when you arrive with all the other workers, you can look around and you can see the difference between you and your buddies who worked all day long and those who have only worked for an hour. And what happens next is kind of fascinating because the manager calls those last workers first and he goes to pay them. And so you're waiting here and you see that he goes into the purse and he pays them a denarius. And you look to your buddies, those workers that you started with, and you give them a nudge and you're like, if they got paid a full day's wage for one hour, imagine what we're going to get. And that excitement is building for you as all these different groups are getting paid and finally you step forward. Dirty and raggedy as ever because you worked hard. And you're ready to get your payment. And the manager looks at the landowner and he goes into his purse and he gives you a denarius. And you look at the manager and you look at the landowner confused. And you take it and you begin to walk away frustrated. Thinking to yourself, seriously? This is what you're going to pay me? After work that I did all day long, you can see the difference in my work. You can see that, that they could have not nearly done as much in one hour as what I did across an entire day from sunrise to sunset. I worked for you, and this is all you're going to give me? You, you value me the same way that you value those others who didn't work nearly as hard? But you can't just keep that to yourself, right? You have to speak up. You have to say something. So you go back to the landowner and you say, this is all you have? This is all I get? I stood out in the hot sun all day long. I watched as others ran in because they weren't tired. I worked so hard for you all day and you value me the same way you value them? And the landowner looks at you and he says, friend, I have given you what we agreed upon when the day began. So are you mad because I have given you what we agreed upon and I am free to do with what I want what I have? Or are you mad because I have given generously to all those who worked for me today? Now, church, I, I want to invite you to think about this from your own perspective. Uh, whose shoes are you wearing? What side do you, do you feel, do you empathize for? What side are you on here? Whose story is this? Who, who do you relate to more? 
Um, have you ever felt like you were given more than you earned? Have you ever done less work and been given the same reward as those who worked harder? Have you ever been given a reward that you clearly didn't deserve and you clearly didn't earn, and yet you walked away with more thankfulness in your heart than ever before? Or have you ever felt like your hard work goes unnoticed? Have you ever uh, worked harder than everyone else around you only for you to be seen as equal? Have you ever watched as, as someone who didn't study as hard or work as hard or try as hard as you did, and yet they receive the same praise, the same recognition, and the same reward? My guess is you've been in both of those places before, that you understand both sides of the story. That uh, when there are moments in your life when you have been given more than you could have ever earned or deserved, you are thankful. When you have done less and received more, you are more grateful than ever. And yet, when you work harder and you think that others haven't worked as hard and they don't deserve as much, and you see how much they have received, you think you have received less. You are unhappy and frustrated by the reward that you have been given because it's just like what they got. And now I want to I take this out of our economic world, our labor laws and all those things, and I, I want you to think about this story in the context of God's grace. See, because sometimes we come before God knowing and admitting that we have nothing to offer. We have nothing left to give. And we come before God asking for just the scraps. And instead God pours out upon us in abundance. God pours out his goodness so much that we can't even imagine that he would pour out so much upon us. Because we don't earn it, we don't deserve it, and yet that's what he does. And then there are other times when we, we, we look at people and we think to ourselves, I know what you've been up to. I haven't seen you in church recently. I know that you live differently from Monday to Saturday than when I see you on Sunday. And yet you come and you watch as God empties his grace upon that person. And you think to yourself, why have they received so much grace? Where's mine? Don't I get more than what they get? You've marked them as someone who doesn't deserve the grace that God has poured out upon them. But that's not how it is in the kingdom of heaven. That is not how God operates when it comes to his goodness and his grace. That it's, it's not about uh, the good things that you've done or the bad things that you've done. It's about the fact that God is the one who is doing the giving. That God is the one who is acting out of his goodness to pour out his grace upon you. It's not about how hard you worked or how little you worked. It's about what God has done in Jesus. And Jesus has given up his life so that all may receive and experience the goodness of God through his grace. And that grace is endless. That grace is something we can receive from God over and over and over again. It is promised to us that there is always more grace. There is grace upon grace. And that grace is for all people. And so as we come before God, we experience his goodness every single day. Because every day, his grace has been poured out upon us. And the same grace that God shows to me and to you is a grace that he invites us to take into the world. 
to show to the world around us. That when you look around at every single person in this room, and when you leave later today and you encounter other people, that you're reminded that every single person is a recipient, is someone whom Jesus died for and a recipient of God's grace. And we live in a world that is so desperately in need of that grace. And so God gives it to us as ones who have received that grace. He invites us to then go out into that world and to share that grace with others. To show them the grace of God in the way that we have experienced it. So that by receiving God's grace, they too will see his goodness. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.